Welcome to the Lex City Church Podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Lex City, please visit LexCity.Church. Yeah, you can clap for that. Man, welcome to the last week of Mixtape. Uh, I am just so impressed. Thank you to our Creative Arts, Worship Arts team. They've done an amazing job. I love their vision for this series and all that's happened. And uh, the music, the videos, it's been so much fun. And so, well, welcome to the last week of Mixtape. My name is Zach. I'm glad you guys are here. Welcome to those of you watching online as well. And uh, so, I'm going to start with a question today. You guys participate a little bit. So, have you ever in the past either said this line or someone said this line to you in a relationship where they said, it's not you, it's me. Anybody, show of hands. Come on, people, this is cheaper than therapy. There you go, raise your hand. All right, and so it, it happens, right? It's happened to me before as well. And so today we're gonna talk about kind of that part though of like owning our part in the relationships, okay? So there's a ton of notes today. Go to lexity.info, click on message notes. You can follow along. We're gonna walk through a lot of stuff today. And it's been a really fun series, but at the same time, relationships are hard, right? They're tough. And they can be heartbreaking. And one of the things that breaks my heart as a pastor and as a person is just watching people make relationship decisions that actually undermine their relationships. Either the relationship that they're in right now currently, or maybe one that they were, they're going to be in the future and they're making decisions now that are actually hurting that relationship already for the future. And so the last few weeks I was kind of researching um, these things called relationship myths that are like all these things that we kind of believe in our minds and then because we believe them, then we act on them and we kind of have behavior based upon these myths that are actually not true because they're myths. So we're gonna walk through a bunch of those today and then we're gonna kind of debunk those with the power of God's word. And so the first one is this, the right person myth. This is once you meet the right person, everything will be all right, including you. And we know that's wrong, right? It's a myth. The second one is this, the promise myth. That is that a promise replaces the need for preparation. Think about your life. We prepare for a lot of areas in our lives, right? We prepare to leave our house. We prepare for work, hopefully. We prepare academically for school. We prepare financially for the future. We spend all this time preparing, but what we don't spend a lot of time on is actually preparing ourselves to be in relationships. We just think we need a promise and a party, right? We say, I do. We have the party, and then everything is going to be great. But we know that, of course, is a myth. And then we look at Jesus in the New Testament, and he gave us this new covenant command, and he's like saying, if you're going to follow me and be one of my followers, this is how you are to love. This is the example of love. In John 15, he says this, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And, and if that was all we had, that's all we need. But shortly after he makes this statement, he lays down his life, not only for his friends, but for his enemies and for the entire world. And then he comes back to life. And then his followers really get it. They're like, wow, this is a whole new thing. This is like a whole new brand of love, right? We are to love other people the way that Christ has loved us. It's a whole other kind of love. And when two people in a relationship can kind of understand that brand of love, amazing things can happen. But the Apostle Paul comes along and says, you know what, I'm not sure if it's enough. Let me, let me tease this out. Let me give you some more fine print. I heard a pastor say once that the fine print it will make you fine. Okay, and this is gonna make us fine. It's gonna help us. 
Today we're going to talk about this phrase, avoiding groundhog date. Have you guys seen the movie Groundhog Day? Bill Murray, incredible movie, so funny. If you haven't seen, he's a weatherman. He goes to this small town. They're waiting to see if the ground is going to come out and determine like if we have more winter or not. And he gets stuck in this small town. He wakes up the next morning and he's stuck in the same day over and over and over again. So with that line of thinking, Groundhog Date, for a lot of us, right, is like this relationship I'm in now feels a lot like the one I was in last year. And the one I'm in now feels a lot like the one that was before that. And I'm repeating the same thing over and over and over. I'm stuck in Groundhog Date. So we're going to take a few minutes to kind of break the relationship habits that are breaking you. So how to break those relationship habits that cause you to feel like, hey, I'm in the same relationship over and over again. Or a better way to say it would be this. How to date in a different direction. Because direction, not intention, determines your destination. Let me say that again. Because direction, not your intention, determines your destination. We as people, typically, we want people to judge us based on our intentions and not our actions, right? Well, that's not what my intention was. I'm sorry you received it that way, right? And, and that's how we feel, but that's not how it works in relationships. And it's pretty easy to embrace in most areas of life, but for whatever reason, when it comes to relationships, we think that somehow we can continue to move in the same direction, and it's going to arrive at a different destination for some reason. But then every relationship ends the same way over and over again because we overestimate the power of our intentions. And so we're going to talk about how do we date in a different direction. And the challenge in any area of life, is maybe especially with relationships, is difficult. it's difficult to change directions. And part of the problem is this. We learn from our mistakes in the areas that matter least. Let that sink in. You guys talk about that at lunch. But we repeat our mistakes in the areas that matter most, which is so strange. You think about how, how we um, learn from our mistakes in the areas that matter the least. Think about social media when you were just figuring it out, Right? Like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you're posting stuff, right? You're making a lot of mistakes. You remember that phrase? I'm like, so wait, everybody can see this? Yes, mom, everyone can see what you posted, right? So we learn our mistakes in the areas that matter the least. But we have a tendency to repeat our mistakes in the arenas of life that matter the most, especially when it comes to our relationships. Why is that? I think it's several reasons. It's, the rela- it's these relational myths that are sort of in the background and they kind of determine our thinking and the way we process things. And because of that, we can come up with some pretty, conclu- pretty crazy conclusions about our relationships based on our bad assumptions. And so these unexamined assumptions we carry into adulthood oftentimes come from our childhood. They come from the way we watched our parents behave or other people behave around us. Here's a few more myths. Here's another one. The experience myth. The reason we repeat our mistakes relationally is the experience myth, which tells us experience will make me wiser. It's a myth. Experience makes you older. That's what it does. It doesn't necessarily make you wiser. It makes you older. It doesn't guarantee the next time will be different. It doesn't guarantee the next time will be better. But evaluated experience can make you wiser. In the areas of life that matter the least, we evaluate our experience and we learn from our experience. Next time I do this, I'm going to do it differently. But when it comes to relationships, we don't spend nearly enough time evaluating our experience there. I'll tell you why. Because instead of evaluating this way, 
we evaluate this way, right? We look at the other person, we go, well, of course it didn't work out. He's an idiot. Of course it didn't work out. She's crazy. And we blame and we blame and we push that because we don't want to deal with us. So we're saying it's not you, it's me, but we're really saying it was definitely you, right? That's what we're saying. So instead of evaluating our relational experience, we just blame. The next one is the no better myth, which says, since I know better, I'll do better. It's not necessarily true. Think about you, those of us that are parents, we have kids, we raise them, we're like, we're raising you to help make wise choices in your life, and we want to know the difference between right and wrong, and we get into age, and we're like, oh, well, clearly they know right from wrong. So if they know right from wrong, then clearly when they have the ability to choose right, they will choose right. And all the parents said, nope. It's really not that different for human beings in general. We think if we, if we know self-control, we'll automatically choose the right thing, but it's not true. Here's what happens. We're confronted with a mistake. When confronted with a relationship failure, when confronted with something you did wrong, what do we say? I know, I know, I know. You don't have to talk to me about this. Don't give me that stupid book. Don't make me go to church. I know what I did wrong, okay? I know. And since I know, I'll do better next time. It's a myth because no better does not equal do better. There's another myth, and this one kind of, kind of, we can lose our minds relationally with this one. It's the time myth. Especially if you're like super old, like 25, right? You're like, man, whoo, time is flying by. I'm having my quarter life crisis right now. This is a, I'm really old, right? And you're thinking this phrase, time is against me. I'm not getting any younger, which is true. Every second we all get older, right? But you're seeing people around you and you're saying, well, that person's already married. They already have the job of their dreams. They're already doing this. And if I have to be in one more wedding, if I have to hear about one more friend that got engaged, I'm gonna scream. Maybe you're in a different stage of life where you're like, man, all of my friends are divorced. And it seems like they're doing better than, than I'm doing in my own marriage, right? And so we're all in these different places and we're saying time is against me. And I've seen this apply over the years to individuals going into a second marriage. The most difficult thing to convince couples or individuals moving quickly towards another marriage is that time is your friend. If you want to date and you want to live and you want to romance in a different direction, you need a break. And actually, time is your friend. You need a break to regain balance, to gain perspective, to gain clarity, to work on you. Because here's the thing with time. In time, you'll be able to hear things that you couldn't hear before. In time, you'll be able to see things that you couldn't see before. Here's the one that you're not going to like me for very much. In time, you'll be able to own things that you can't own now. With time and a break, be able to recognize your contribution to the problem, where you can literally say, it's not you, it's me, and really mean it. It's easy to say, I didn't contribute to the problem, it was all him, it was all her. With time, you may recognize that maybe you, you're, you can own your slice of the pie, but without a break, you know what we'll do? We'll just blame, and we'll blame, and we'll blame. And you can't blame your way into a better future. 
In fact, blame allows you to smuggle your issues into your own future, smuggle your issues into your next relationship. You've seen this with other people, right? You have these friends and you're like, oh man, she has not dealt with her stuff. She is not ready. He has not dealt with his stuff. He is not ready. And you're like, we need to talk to him about it. And then you go and you're like, you talk to him. I'm not talking to him. Every time I try to talk to him, he blows up about the stuff he doesn't think he has that he has that we can all see, but he doesn't see it, right? So if you just blame the other person, we have set yourself up to struggle your stuff into your own future instead of leaving it behind. We bring it to our next relationship. And we kind of do this rinse and repeat, this groundhog date. So today I want to give us kind of the first step to, to dating, doing relationships in a different way, different direction. And I'm going to just give you one thing today, A, because we don't have that much time, and B, because the rest of it, if you can do this one thing, the rest will take care of itself. And once we begin to unearth some of these assumptions that we've been living through and carrying around maybe for years, we're going to look at those assumptions. We're going to say, this is ridiculous. I've been making decisions based on this thing that just isn't true. We can learn a lot about changing our direction from the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul was a Pharisee in, in the first century. Then he became a Jesus follower. Then he decided to do something crazy. As a Jewish guy and an ex-Pharisee, he decided to take the message of Jesus to the non-Jewish or the Gentile world. And so he shows up in this culture that's so unlike anything we can imagine. It's amazing that anyone took the Apostle Paul seriously in this time. In cities like Ephesus and Corinth and the region of Galatia, in all these Roman provinces that were so ingrained in this Greek and Hellenistic thinking. And so he shows up in this Gentile, pagan, idol-worshiping, slave-owning, might-makes-right culture. He's talking about the fact that God sent a Messiah, a Jewish, Jewish Messiah with this strange message that we're actually to love each other. And that everybody has dignity, and women have rights, and children have rights, and slaves have rights. And everyone's equal in the eyes of God. And we're all made in the image of God. And everybody's supposed to love one another. And God punctuated this message by raising someone from the dead. It's amazing that anyone took him seriously. But they did. And so the church begins in this non-Jewish world around the Mediterranean basin. And he had so many assumptions that he had to confront. We can't imagine a world where slavery was legal and where people worshiped idols and everything that happened in nature had its own God with its own name. And yet somehow he was able to gain traction with this extraordinary message that there is just a single God who has done something in the world and for the world and will be characterized by giving value, equal value to people around us. And so to kind of help them reshape their thinking and embrace a completely different worldview, which may be your resistance to Christianity right now is maybe your worldview and Christianity are bumping up next to each other right now. And I totally get that. The Apostle Paul got that at the time, and so it's a good thing. Perhaps you hear a message like this, that you know that you're not alone and God isn't mad at you, and, and God would love for you to maybe change your thinking and see the world in a different way. And see, the Apostle Paul, he wrote all these letters, a bunch of stuff in the New Testament, to this, this, this culture that we're talking about. One of those letters he wrote to Christians living in Rome during the time of Nero, not a great place to be at the time. This particular document, not really a letter, but more of a document, it's called the Book of Romans. And he gives us this, what's kind of the first step to, to begin to think differently about everything. And today we're gonna take Romans chapter 12 and we're gonna kind of apply it specifically through the lens of a relationship. Here's what he said in verse one. He says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, 
Words matter. He used the words urge because he knew there was going to be some resistance to this along the way. People weren't going to just go for it. They weren't going to go along with it. It may feel strange to them. But he says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, which basically means in light of everything that God has done for you. And what has God done for you? Take some time, read the other 11 chapters later. But to sum it up, in light of the fact that God says, that God loves you, in light of the fact that God has invited you to call him your heavenly father, in light of the fact that God has announced the forgiveness of sin ahead of time, and that God's already covered even your future sins in such a way that you can have a relationship with him, in light of everything God's done for you, in light of God's mercy. He's not giving you what you deserve. He's not giving me what I deserve. He's actually giving us what we don't deserve in a positive way. He says, here's what I want you to do. These are my words, not his. It's kind of a big ask. So this is what he's urging. I want you to write a blank check with your life and offer it to your heavenly father. Not in order to get something, but because, it, because in light of what he's already given you. And it goes on. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now, when we see the word sacrifice, we don't think about necessarily physical sacrifices in this way, but this is what they would have thought about in this culture at that time. And so they're reading this and they're hearing this imagery and they're like, wait, the time for sacrifice is over? The time for slitting the throats of, of goats and bull and oxen is over. I want you to climb up on the altar as a living sacrifice and offer all of yourself to God. And not in order to get something from God, like the pagans were constantly trying to do at the time with their sacrifices, but in light of what God has already done for you. And then he uses an interesting word here. It's, it's such a cool word that it takes two English words to describe this other one English word. And it says, it's the words true and proper. And from the Greek, the translated the English word is just logic or logical. He's saying, offering yourself to God. I know it sounds like a big sacrifice. I know it sounds like you're saying no to yourself. But Paul says, I'm telling you, this is the most logical, thoughtful, reasonable thing that you can do. Because God is for you and God knows what's best for you. In fact, doing the opposite, refusing to do this, is the most irrational, logical thing you can do. And he goes on and said, but here's the deal. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. He's saying, if you don't want a relationship like the majority of relationships, quit dating like the majority of daters. If you don't want a marriage like the majority of marriages, quit conducting your marriage like the majority of married people. If you don't want a relationship like the majority of people you see in a relationship, then you have to do something different. In Paul's words, don't continue to be conformed to the pattern of culture. It's a different way forward. Literally, the verse means, do not be formed according to a pattern or mold. Don't form yourself or allow yourself to be formed. In other words, don't be this guy. This is the gingerbread man, okay? You use them and you cut out, right? Cookies, they all look exactly the same. He's saying don't be conformed, right, to this. It says do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Literally in the Greek, it's translated, translated allow yourself to be transformed, so don't be conformed like gingerbread man. Here's what it sounds like in our culture, right? This is, a, this, this is a guy. And ladies are like, all guys are the same, all guys are the same, all guys are the same. They look the same, they act the same, they talk the same, they have the same thoughts, right? 
this was a gingerbread girl, it'd be like, they're all the same. They want me to commit. They want to ring. They want to ring, right? And so we look at this and we say, this is what it looks like to conform. And Paul's going, look, you don't have to live your life that way. There's a different way forward in every arena of life, especially in relationships. So the question is, do you want to be a conformer or do you want to be a transformer, right? Because Optimus Prime is incredible. He's amazing. Do you, oh, you better stand up, buddy. All right. Do you want to conform or do you want to be transformed? Because this right here, this just happens. You wake up with zero effort at all, and this just happens. We can be conformed to culture really, really easily. And you're going, no, I'm unique, I'm unusual. I got my own thing, I got my own deal, right? Bad news, you don't, you don't. We think we do, I think we do, but we don't. If you just get up and pick up your feet and allow yourself to be swept up with, along with the current of culture, in most ways, you end up like everybody else. And in some areas, that fi that's fine, but in the area of relationships, this is not fine. He says, don't be a conformer, do not be conformed, but be transformed. As in every instance, which is cool, Paul doesn't just say things, and he tells us like how we can do this, how do we accomplish this, what does it look like? And this is what he says in verse two. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind, not by a prayer that you pray, not by a commitment that you make, not by a promise you make God. Those things happen in a moment in time. This is a process. To renew your mind is to restore, it's to change, it's to redo, it's to reprogram. It's kind of like repainting a car. When you have a car, before you repaint it, you take it and you sand everything down, take the old off, then you put the fresh coat of, uh, coat of paint on, right? For those of you that have ever refinished furniture, you strip the old stain off first, then you put the new stain on. If you, unless you use that chalk paint, that ruins my analogy though, okay? So it's the new, right? The old has to come off first. Mr. Miyagi would say it's wax on, then wax off. You gotta take something off before you put something new on. Because what happens if you put on the new before taking off the old? The new peels off. This is why so many people sincerely make promises to themselves, sincerely make promises to God, they sincerely make promises to a higher power, they make all kinds of promises and they're sincere as they can possibly be. And the next time, it's just like the last time, and it doesn't stick, it just peels off. And the Apostle Paul says, look, I urge you in light of all God has done for you, would you hit the pause button? Would you present yourself as a living sacrifice? Would you basically write a blank check with your life and give it to God and say, okay, I screwed up a lot of things in the past, there's relationships, I'm not... I maybe shouldn't call my own shots anymore. I'm gonna surrender myself to you, God, relationally. I'm gonna hit the pause button. I'm gonna go through the, the long, maybe difficult process of renewing my mind so I can no longer be conformed, but I can be transformed. But the trick is, and the difficult part of this is, renewal takes time. Which brings us back to this, time is your friend. I heard a ministry mentor, uh, his lead pastor, talk about marriage at his church one time, and he basically was telling his staff, like, hey, we're gonna be a church and about marriage, and, and uh, as a pastor, you can do as many marriages as you want. 
But when it comes to people that are walking into a second or third or whatever the marriage is, that's another marriage, it's like, I want you to encourage them to wait two years. And they were like, why two years? And he said, because I don't think we can make them, I don't think we can get them to wait for five years. But if we could, we should. Because you don't hear stories of, I'm so glad I rushed into that relationship. Where would I be if I hadn't rushed into that relationship? I'm sure that story's somewhere, but typically you hear this. I wish I'd waited. I wish I'd gotten counsel. I wish I'd gotten my head clear. I wish I'd taken some time off. I wish I had spent a little more time working on me because I had worked on me. I may have been able to hear some things I couldn't hear then, now. I maybe could have owned some things in my life that I couldn't own then, that I could now. And the Apostle Paul wraps up and he says, he says, look, there's a payoff, and the payoff is this. If you will just invite Jesus to be the Lord or the boss or the king of your life, if you will spend some time allowing God to renew your mind, here's the result, here's the consequence. In verse two, you'll be able to test and approve, which is literally translated as you'll be able to dis- determine and discern. You'll be able to figure it out. Figure out what? He says this. Be able, to t- be able to test and approve what God's will is. What God's will is, that's so powerful. A renewed mind is able to make sense of God's will. You see, part of the problem is until we can see as he sees, we're not inclined to do as he says. But when you renew your mind, and may, what made absolutely no sense before becomes crystal clear today. As kids, what's the first question or the question we always annoyed our parents with, Right? They would say, hey, could you go do this? Or could you, and we'd go, why? Why? Clean your room, why? And then his parents would get the great answer, because I said so, because I told you to, right? Because to a kid, if it doesn't make sense, we have a hard time doing it. But that's actually human nature. We are far more inclined to do what makes sense than, than what we are merely told to do. Here's the beauty of following Jesus. Here's the beauty of the New Testament. Here's the beauty of what Paul is teaching us here. He says, look, your heavenly father wants you to understand. This isn't a simply do as I say, and you'll maybe figure it out. As you spend time renewing your mind, there'll be moment after moment of these aha moments in your life where you couldn't see it before, but you can now. You couldn't hear it before, but you can now. And then you'll be like, wow, I'm beginning to feel the freedom to take responsibility for things that I couldn't take responsibility for before. Because a renewed mind recognizes God's will for what it is. The Apostle Paul tells us this. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. It's good because it's good for you. It's pleasing because at the, at the end of it, it's gratifying. The will of God on the back end is like, I'm so glad I did this. I'm so glad I surrendered. I'm so glad I obeyed. His perfect will. And the little Greek word here actually refers to maturity. That over time, you'll become more mature because you'll see in a way you've never seen before. You'll think in a way you never thought before. Because in relationships, regret and resolve are not enough. If regret and resolve were enough, we would not continue to repeat the same mistakes we've had in the past. The I'm sorry and I'll do better rarely make us better. Because if you think the way you've always thought, you'll do the things you've always done. The result is groundhog date, groundhog marriage, groundhog relationship. Think about it relationally. Everything you ever made, decisions you made at that time, make complete sense to you at the time, right? 
At the time, we, don't, we, we think we're making really good decisions. Every time we called, we lied, we got in, we got out, we left, we moved in, we moved out, whatever it was, you know, that every decision you, you made relationally, it made perfect sense to you. But if it doesn't work, if it's not working, maybe there's more. Maybe we need a break. Maybe we need to clear our heads. Maybe we need to change the way we think. Maybe you need to renew your mind because a transformed mind results in a transformed life. And transformation takes time. It takes focus. It takes intentionality. It might take a different rhythm. It might require some different friends. It might require you to, to make difficult decisions. But in the end, you'll be able to determine and discern and understand God's will for your life. Here's the great thing about renewing your mind as we close out today. Over time, you'll begin to kind of let go of what I want to call these lethal assumptions that we've been living in in our relationships for far too long. And it'll empower us to let go of the ways that we've been thinking and repeating the same mistakes over and over again. The first lethal assumption is this. Once I find the right person, everything will be all right. Number two, my situation is unique. Let me just say to those of you who say this, because I care about you, you know why we say this? You know why we say that our situation is unique? This is how you avoid good advice. When somebody gives you good advice, your response is, I know, I know, I know, I know, but see, you don't understand. My situation is unique. If there was a counselor sitting here right now, they would tell you there's about three or four categories that your relationship can fall into. So it's not unique. You're unique, but your situation is not that unique. You're avoiding good advice. Stop doing that. Number three, uh, this one. It may not be right, but it makes me happy and God wants me to be happy. I've heard this thousands of times. I don't know whether I want to hug you or throw up on you when you say this, okay? I know it sounds critical, but like God's primary goal for your life is not happiness. And he actually gives us a roadmap for happiness. It's on the Sermon on the Mount. When he says things like, blessed are those, he's saying happy are those. Blessed are those who thirst for righteousness because you will become full. That's his goal for your life. Here's what we've already learned. Chasing your appetite does not leave you full. It leaves you empty and wanting more. And your father in heaven who loves you and his son who paid for your sins says, I want you to follow me. I want us to chase down righteousness. And when you chase it down in the end, you will be full. It's all these lethal assumptions, all this stuff that swirls in the background, all this stuff that you're making your decisions based upon this bad line of thinking. He's saying, stop, pause, renew your mind. And the fourth lethal, lethal assumption as we close is this, that sex will solve it. <laughs> Thanks for the laugh, I agree. <laughs> sex complicates the relationship, especially outside of the marriage. It doesn't make your life easier, it just complicates the relationship, it creates obligations, it creates expectations, and what else does sex create? Babies, right? It creates children. So this whole thing of, well, once we move in, once this happens, once this happens, it's a lethal assumption that we've been through over and over and over again. So to borrow Paul's words, I wanna urge you, I wanna plead with you, those of you who are dating, plead with those of you who are in transition relationally, plead with those of you that are rushing in, those of you that are rushing out, 
in view of God's mercy, in light of all that God's done for you, would you not just hit pause and just surrender, especially those areas in your life? Surrender your body as a living sacrifice. This is your true and proper worship. This is the most reasonable thing. This is the most logical thing that you can do. Quit this guy. Quit being conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because if you do, you'll be able to recognize what? God's will, his pleasing and perfect will, his maturing will for your life. Specifically, those of you who are dating and it's just round and round in the last relationship into like the one before and you're kind of on this groundhog date thing right now and it just seems like I'm gonna find the next person, I'm gonna find the right person and maybe this is the right person. Would you be willing if you're on that crazy cycle of relationships right now, would you just take some time off? Would you be willing just to hit pause? Maybe it's six months, maybe it's a year and say, during that time, I'm gonna renew my mind. I'm gonna read God's word. I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna meet people who think about this differently than I do. I'm gonna learn from them. I'm gonna come to church. I'm not just gonna come to church. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit in the front. I'm gonna take notes. I'm maybe gonna move out during that time. I'm gonna break up during the time. I'm gonna, I'm gonna clear my mind. And I don't care if he or she shows up because I'm renewing my mind right now. I don't wanna spend another season of my life conforming. Because if you don't want the next time to be like the last time, do something different in the meantime. In the meantime, you have to renew your mind. You have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you take some time to renew your mind, you'll never regret it. But I have to warn you about this. If you commit to taking some time off, here's what's gonna happen. In the next two weeks, you're gonna meet him. You're gonna go, are you kidding, God? This, this is the one. This is him. You're gonna meet her and go, God, are you kidding me? There she is. And you're gonna walk up and be like, hey, I think you're the right one, but could you give me like six months to a year? I'm currently renewing my mind right now. I'm gonna need some time. Can we hit pause on this? Can I lovingly say, if you meet him or her, can you just ignore them for this season? Because you're not ready because you're being transformed by the renewing of your mind, because you're becoming the person that the person you're looking for is looking for. If you don't wanna be, if you don't want your next time to be the last time, do something different. If in the meantime, that's how you prepare to do relationship in a different direction. That's how you prepare to do marriage in a different direction. That's how you prepare to date in a different direction. That's how you prepare to avoid this groundhog date. Because sometimes it really is not about you. It really is about me. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for today. Thank you for what you're doing here. Thank you that you created relationships. Thank you that you said that they are good. God, I pray right now for those in the room that are listening and watching online, whether they're walking through some really tough stuff in their life and maybe they're on this crazy cycle right now. They don't know how to get off of that. God, I pray that we would have the courage, we would have the bravery just to hit pause and take some time. With every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. Maybe you're here today, maybe you're watching right now online and you would say, Zach, I wanna renew my mind, but I don't even know if I have a relationship with Jesus right now. And I'm walking through life and I'm feeling empty 
and I'm finding my identity in my relationships with other people. I'm finding my identity in, in my job and everything else, but I, I know I'm feeling empty, and I would encourage you right now. God says in his word, in Romans 5, but God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we, was, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That means no matter how you walked into this room today, no matter where you're coming from in your life, no matter how you're listening to this right now, he knows everything. And in spite of that, he loves you unconditionally. He takes it one step further. He wants a relationship with you through his son, Jesus. So if you're here right now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, you'd say, Zach, that's me. I want a relationship with Jesus. I've never done this before. I wanna ask Christ to come into my heart right now. With no one looking around, just lift your hands so I can pray with you right now. Just lift it up. Say, that's me. I want a relationship with Jesus. I wanna ask him into my heart right now. Awesome. I see your hands. Anybody else that would say, that's me. Very cool. I'm gonna say a prayer right now and you can kind of just say something, whether you raise your hand or not. If you just wanna, this is your heart, connecting your heart to the very heart of God. Just say something like this in your own heart. Say, dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that my sin separates me from you. But today, God, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to save me. I ask you to change me. I believe in your son, Jesus, and that he died on the cross for my sins and that he beat death and rose again. I'm tired of living my life for myself. I wanna get off this crazy cycle. I wanna live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made that decision today, if you, whether you're here in person or online, I just wanna say great job. Give them a round of applause today. That is the best decision you'll ever make in your whole life. If you did that, do me a favor. We just wanna, we just wanna be able to say, uh, thanks for doing that. We wanna be able to partner alongside of you. Go to lexi.info, click on I Prayed. We just wanna send you an email with some next steps that you can take in journey with Christ and maybe tell somebody, maybe someone down here at the end that, that we have a prayer team that'd love to pray with you about that as well. Thank you for listening to the Lex City Church podcast. If you would like to support ministries of Lex City, visit lexcity.church give. Please subscribe and follow us on social media at Lex City Church for more encouraging teachings and content.